We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the men from Odo, and you are listening to episode 24, In a Pickle. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line, as he is every week. How are you, Mr. Sowers? I'm exceptionally handsome, David. How are you? Uh, My beard is very luscious today. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. So we've got a very special episode this week. Not only is it Amonkhet limited season and everything is great and grand in the magic online world, but we also have a special guest this week. Hello. I'm hello. not sure if you knew this. Hello. We have Cameron Aldis, uh, aka Ilian TV uh, on Twitch, and he is here to tell us about a very special event that he's going through. So some listeners may recognize the name. Um, he is a very successful, I would say, uh, streamer on Twitch. He streams Magic Online quite a bit and other games as well. But he is most well-known for, I would say, in, in circles outside of his regular community for the Pickle Challenge. And he is here today to tell us about that. So welcome to the podcast. Welcome, welcome. I'm glad to be here. I'm not known just outside of my regular circles, mostly for the Pickle Challenge. I mean, uh, my chat constantly asks me every single time. The day after I finish one, they ask me when the next one is because my chat loves to see me suffer. Uh, the Pickle Challenge started a couple years back. I It actually started originally, it's now a Doctors Without Borders challenge where I raise money for them, and has been ever since the first one. But the first one was for Extra Life for Kids. And I'd always wanted to kind of do a, a charity stream, and then they started doing their campaign and saying, like, oh, people should stream for us. And I thought, hey, whatever, I'll sign up. So I signed up. And I started doing a challenge, and I had very, very few followers at the time, less than a 1,000. And we raised about a 1,000-some dollars. And in the middle of that stream, somehow, I got on a topic about what foods I hated. And I said that I really, really didn't like pickles. So instantly after that conversation, about a minute later, I got a $200 donation uh, for somebody that was, yeah, like, had less than a 1,000 thousand followers very small little channel i got 200 dollars donation that said that i had to eat a pickle to have the money and I, well i have the money already but i'd feel bad not doing it so i had to go downstairs and eat some pickles and then they, they go well and now for every other 200 dollars you get eat another one and thus it was born and we probably raised twice as much money as we would have otherwise because of that uh, so very wonderful person kind of started that for me since then, I started doing them twice a year for Doctors Without Borders. It started in 2015, and through 2015 and 2016, so through two years, we are barely shy of $20,000. Uh, so wow. It's been 19468 I believe, was the exact number. No, 86, a little bit more than that. So lots and lots of cash. Wonderful people have uh, all been donating, and we've raised a ton of money. The last one was $7,650. And this year we're going for ten thousand. Uh, that's that's crazy. That is an insane amount of money. Um, it, it really is. Um, it's double the number of followers that are currently on my channel. So if every single person that has ever decided that I'm worth watching gives 
a dollar, we won't make it. <laughs> so that's it's a lot of money. But like I said, I mean, I had less than five thousand followers last year, and we raised almost eight thousand. So uh, it, it's crazy. So very, very attainable. Okay. So yeah, oh yeah, you mentioned uh, Doctors Without Borders. So for those listeners out there that maybe aren't familiar with Doctors Without Borders, they do they do great work. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, maybe you can just uh, describe what they do a little bit and, and maybe why you chose to to sponsor or to, to run your stream for them. Yeah, I've, I've always been a big fan of Doctors Without Borders because of the fact that they're a unique charity in a lot of ways. Uh, the reason why I say that is if I want to go out and do charity work for, say, the local food bank, which a lot of people will raise money for, and I think that's great. Nothing wrong with doing that. But if I want to go and help them, I can also go down there and actually volunteer and do work with them. I can I can go down to the street and I can ha- like ladle out soup for uh, homeless people. I can do that kind of work and I can donate my time. So that's something that's a way that I can help them and it's, it's easy to help them. Doctors Without Borders... There's literally no way that I can help them besides raising the money because I'm not a doctor. And even if I were, I wouldn't go to the places that they go. They go to places that are terrifying. Uh, they had their hospitals in 2015, I believe. It was They had almost 80 airstrikes on their hospitals. That was in Syria, right? In Syria, in Yemen, in all all kinds of war-torn places. Like, constantly they're under threat of violence, under just incredible stress and pressure. And what they do is they, basically their motto is, I mean, this isn't official or anything, but it's almost like nobody else needs to die. They just don't. And they'll, they don't care what side you're on, why you're there, anything. They just take anybody that's injured and they'll save their lives. That's what they do. And they're an incredible force for good because of that. They're the only charity uh, that I know of that's won the Nobel Peace Prize. (laughs) Like, they're absolutely incredible. They operate in countries all over the world. Uh, I believe that it was like about 70 right now. Uh, But it often changes because they do disaster relief. They do uh, war-torn areas, constantly shifting their focus from place to place. I remember when I talked to them the last time, they were even explaining to me something that they have where, because they are started in France, and that's where their headquarters are, they have inflatable hospitals. And yeah, they literally have inflatable hospitals. They're giving me skeptical looks. The people, you can't see this, but they are looking at me very skeptically. They have inflatable hospitals. And what they do is they have like helicopters and planes loaded with all the supplies and this inflatable like tent that they can use for a hospital. And they can be anywhere in the world within 48 hours of a disaster and set up a hospital. That is insane. It, within, that within, is crazy within, within 24 hours, they can have a hospital set up and running globally. So if there's a tsunami, if there's an earthquake, if there's anything like that, there's a war breaks out, they're there on the ground, boom, instantly. It's incredible. So the the stuff that they do like that is, uh, it's really hard to, like, what other charity does something like that? There's not a lot that do. And on top of that, uh, for the few charities that do do that, if you look at, like, there's all kinds of different websites that you can go to that rate charities on their openness, on how much they actually have go towards the services on the ground rather than the people that are advertising for it and stuff like that. And they are a five-star charity. They're probably the top rated charity, like almost worldwide. They just are unbelievable in almost every category and they just deserve the money. So uh, always been a huge fan of the work that they do. And like I said, it's a a really unique kind of service that not a lot of other people can do. I, I can't imagine, you know, going through 10 years, 12 years of medical school in a nice 
country like Canada or the U.S. or something than going, you know, I feel like the next year of my life I'm going to go and be in Syria and be bombed at and work with, like, the most horrible possible conditions and just because I feel like we should probably go out there and save lives. And they need a lot of money to do that and to keep those kinds of things running, so... Big fan. Doctors and nurses are are a special breed to begin with. They they're very noble uh, career choices, and the fact that, that we have doctors in this world and nurses in this world that'll do that, uh, put their own life on the line to save others, is is kind of incredible. Incredible. So definitely mm-hmm. a worthy cause. One of the more worthy causes out there, I would say. You can give your money to a lot of places, but uh, not all places are as worthy as this. I would say so. Yeah, they're they're just always very good for that. We've got a lot of. I I, I think. Uh, um, you were saying like we, one of the things that we've got though for this year with the charity is we're going to be doing a lot of swag. I don't know if you were maybe talking about that, thinking of asking about that, but we definitely were, it was on the list. So, um, I think Travis has some eyes on some of that swag, I think. Yeah. I've, I've seen some of the swag. I, I also had a thought, this is probably a bit tangential, but how many times have you fantasized about going back in time for that first stream and saying something like, I really hate donuts. Oh, oh, lots. Yeah, no. Everybody, there's everybody thinks uh, there's a lot of people. I, I think that some some of them joke about it, but a lot of them think that they're. I think are serious. I think that there is a small contingent of serious people that think that I actually like pickles secretly and that I made up the whole thing. Those people are nuts. <laughs> I hate them. I despise them. They're awful. They're terrible, and it sucks. <laughs> and the other thing is that. Like I say, when those people start talking, I'm like, whether or not I like pickles, I guarantee you I don't like what we do with the pickles because (laughs) every year we have to keep expanding it and it gets worse. We started... uh, Keep in mind, this is a a G-rated podcast. Yeah. It it doesn't feel like it by the time that I'm done. First of all, the stream goes really, really long. The last one we raised, we tried to raise money so that I'll go up to 60 hours straight for the last stream. Uh, The most that I've ever made it so far, staying awake, was 54 hours. So I'm just shy of that so far. The other thing that is honestly probably worse is that... This ties into the food where I said, like, you, what I do with the pickles, there's no way I can like. And that is make pickle smoothies with ingredients voted on by people paying money for, for different stuff. So things like the first pickle smoothie I ever did was orange juice, milk, cottage cheese, and pickles. Wow. And, they, yeah, they chat realized very quickly I had put a couple of different ingredients on the list that they could vote for. And then some of the top ingredients would get there, and they realized quickly that I'd made a classic blunder by putting both orange juice and milk together. And they realized what I had not thought of originally, which is, if you put both of those together, the milk curdles immediately. Yeah, because the milk so it was the acid. Pi- pickles and curdled milk and cottage cheese. And it was as <laughs> as awful as your reaction is right now to it, yeah. It wasn't the worst one that I've ever had, but it was close. I, I've actually had worse. It got topped. It, it, it did get beaten by something oh. else. They they found I the am... worst combination. The worst combination than that. It took them a long time, though. It took them like five or six different smoothies since then to to find one that was worse. But chat did it. They pulled through. Uh, it chat turns out that <laughs> hot chocolate mix, soy sauce, and pickles is much worse. It doesn't sound worse. 
But let me tell you, it is much, much worse. It is, it's hard to explain why because it doesn't sound bad. And when, even when I say why it's bad, people are like, nah, it's, I dare you to try it. it. It's so salty that your body just wants to reject it immediately. All, it just wants out. <laughs> it was so hard uh. to keep it down. Your body's just like, nope, <laughs> not for me. But yeah, I've, I've managed to not do uh, any, any vomiting on it yet. This year, we're going to do the worst thing that I've ever done. Um, I know it's the worst thing I've ever done because people convinced me to try it beforehand. They said, no, 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 you've got to know what you're getting into. And I bought online Carolina Reapers. And I'm Dude, that's going a to- bad. I'm from I'm from Carolina. I'm, you could say I'm familiar with the Reaper. I've taken a bite of one of those. This is a bad idea. I did a whole I did a whole Reaper already. Um, if okay. we raise the if we raise the it, oh and it's awful. Um, if we raise the ten thousand dollars, I'll do another one. Uh, I said that also. If we raise more than that, I will continue to do additional ones. But I'm really hoping that we don't because <laughs> let me tell you, eating one basically knocked me out for 30 minutes like i was out yeah. of commission um yeah i have a video of it it's awful it's wor- the worst thing i've ever done and we're talking about all of the curdled milk pickle smoothies combined it's awful it is really incredible i love uh hot food and it's it's not it doesn't even classify as hot food anymore. It just It's not it's food toxic. anymore at that point. It's no. a torture device. Yes. Yes. It's it's really awful. But I torture myself for chat so that they can enjoy themselves. I'll be doing it at the end of 60 hours of being awake. So, I mean, it'll probably give me a little bit of a perk up at least. It'll wake you up too. Well, take You'll us probably oh. just hallucinate. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, there'll be some hallucination. Take us from the pain to the excitement. Uh, we had mentioned the swag. Yeah, You talked about some of this in the pre-show, but what sort of stuff have you got to give away while this is going on? Oh, we have just... Uh, it, it's so much stuff that I have... I spent four hours last night making it into different like swag bags and different donor-level items and stuff for people to buy. And I'm not done. <laughs> And I don't even have all the items yet, so I couldn't have even possibly finished. So, And that was four hours of cataloging it and deciding where to put it. Uh, we have boxes of Modern Masters to give away. We have Eternal Masters to give away. We have custom playmats that got done. I just got the artist proof for that today, and people are very excited about it on Twitter. It was fantastic. It's an Indiana Jones-style thing with me and Pickles and my cat, which is a huge thing on the stream. Um, there are... Custom tokens from Cardamajigs. So there's like Inked Playmats is giving us the playmats. Cardamajigs is giving us a bunch of animated and golden enamel tokens. There are boxes from Wizards of the Coast and from Newmont Gaming and from Darkside Comics in Las Vegas. They're giving us playmats and boxes and sleeves. And it's just tons and tons and tons of stuff. Aaron Kane Deck Boxes is giving us custom wood deck boxes to give away. And on top of all of that, we have a foil uncut sheet of Kaladesh rares not commons or uncommons but rares and mythics it is beautiful i every time that i like i go downstairs and i I had my wife take it out and roll it out because i'm like i don't want to touch it because i'm going to break it and i need you i need you to blame if something goes wrong so i had her take the photos of it and like i really need you to help me with this and it's because i didn't want to touch it and i was like so afraid of breaking it but it's beautiful it looks wonderful and Wizards is still sending more products. There's going to be a ton of extra stuff on top of all of that. That is insane. That is insane. And those go, so a lot of those go to different um, 
uh, donor packages, right? Like somebody can just go on and donate a certain amount of money and just get a package. Like with the playmats, right? There's only a handful of those that people can essentially buy with their donation, right? Yes, exactly. So, like, I might have, um, I, I have an, the ultimate swag bag that's on there is a five hundred dollar donation tier. But if you donate five hundred dollars, there's one swag bag available that's like a box of Eternal Masters, a custom play mat, a custom wood box. It's got uh, like sleeves involved in it, and it's just all kinds of things like that. Like the wood box would be like a hundred dollars. Uh, the box of Eternal Masters is like two hundred dollars normally. So when you add it all together, it's actually basically what you'd be buying that for normally but instead of having to pay somebody else to ship it and get all that stuff to you you just give it to doctors without borders and they don't have to pay anything it all goes to a charity instead which is just fantastic that's that's outstanding so i I get the feeling that you might be uh might be eating a couple of those carolina peppers at the end of it all with all the swag you're you're giving away and (sighs) i'm hoping kudos to everyone else that's that's like everyone that's giving you stuff like wizards and and all your other sponsors and stuff like that um you know that's incredible wizards does a really good job of getting involved in the community you know they do um they always donate stuff to the desert bus and all sorts of other kind of extra life streams and things like that that are going on so it's it's fantastic to see that they're continuing the tradition and, and sponsoring the pickle challenge so a plus thumbs up to them we love them yeah, absolutely. Now, and tons of good sponsors uh, this year, for sure. Yeah. Now, um, so you mentioned it's it's a up to sixty hour stream, but it's it's uh, that's the last stream, right? And it's spread over a couple of days. So what uh, what can viewers expect in terms of of content of yours over the duration of the pickle challenge? Well, it's starting May tenth, and I'm doing an eight hour stream that day. That there is some downtime on Moto that day, so I'm going to play some other games as well. I play a little bit of Eternal. Travis is fairly familiar with Eternal, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm probably going to play a little bit of Eternal that morning. But then I have a bunch of guests that are lined up once Moto's back online. Uh, the professor will be coming online, so from Tolarian Community College. Um, I'm going to have Dave yourself. You are going to be a guest as well at one point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have Dead Pine, who is a Minecraft streamer now, but actually originally became a magic streamer and then moved to Minecraft. And so he's probably going to join me for some magic. I'm working out a little bit of the details on what everybody wants to do. Last year, some of the things that we did, it was mostly magic oriented, but we did all kinds of crazy things. We did a Judge's Tower uh, bit of the pod, uh, of the challenge, which... If people don't know what Judge's Tower is, it's it was crazy. I'm not good at it, and it was awful for me, but it was it was really fun to do. Uh, you have a deck of cards that's shared that everybody draws one card off of a turn, and you have to play your spells the instant that they're allowed to be played. You don't have lands. You have infinite mana, and the only way that you win or lose is by making rules violations. And they are the most complex, awful, horrible cards to play with. And you will make constant rules violations. Like, I'm talking about turn zero, you make rules violations because it's all just ridiculous. Like, oh, no, 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 no. You had to play your instant in response to, like, this creature attacking. But then you didn't actually respond to your instant with the other instant because you had to respond to it as soon as possible. And you didn't do that. And it's just, oh, it's awful. It's so much stuff to keep track of and it quickly becomes a nightmare. But it's, it was fun. It was really, really interesting and really fun. And Chat got to laugh at me a lot. And so we played some Judge's Tower against one of our guests, Scalding Hot Soup. Um, I'm going to have the mana source on eventually. But the first two days are eight-hour streams. And then the last stream will go up to 60 hours. I'm probably going to do one of the things that I know for sure, uh, about 95% that's going to be a little wackier that we're going to do in there, is I'm going to take a break from Magic and do a 
old DOS game as a speedrun against Boix, who used to be a magic streamer and is now moving away from that to do speedruns. And it's called Pickle Wars. <laughs> and no so standing. I want to do, I'm thinking that I, I want to do a speedrun race against him where neither one of us have seen the game before. And we're just going to pick up this old DOS game and try and run it and see who can win uh, and beat the game first. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. It'll be interesting. That, Lots of that fun, sounds fantastic. weird things. Yeah. I, I can't wait to stop by. I can't wait to, to give a little money to Doctors Without Borders. And I can't wait to guest. Um, I imagine we'll probably just jam some limited or something on Magic Online. And I'm very glad that I get to catch you before you're in like hour like 30-ish where you're starting to doze off. So we'll try to catch you a little early, hopefully, and, uh, and uh, maybe get some quality quality mag- magic content maybe we'll do a men for moto like a half a men for moto live or something i'll just ask you a bunch Absolutely. of questions while you try not to lose on magic online or something so looking forward to that sounds really exciting i love this i watch it uh, at least part of it every time it comes around so it's definitely one of the highlights of of uh you know i guess you do it twice a year right so it's yes. the highlight whenever it comes around it's not really annual but um yeah, so if anybody wants more information sure. um or they want to donate early um where can they where can they do that is there an easy way to, for them to get to that yeah, the easiest way to do it is I actually made a redirect onto my from my main website that just goes directly to the Tiltify page because their URL is a little longer. My URL that I use, it's just ilyonmtg, so I-L-Y-O-N-M-T-G dot com slash pickle dot HTML. And that's it. And then that'll Perfect. redirect you right to the Tiltify webpage. And on that, you'll see... The current donor rewards that we have, there's going to be more that are added, and you're going to be able to see our, our goals and who our guests are, uh, when they're coming on, what we're going to be doing with those guests. All of that's still being updated a little bit. I'm sending out a bunch of information to our guests tonight or tomorrow just to firm up one or two final pieces here and there, but it'll always be really wacky. I know one of the years I ended up uh, shaving off my eyebrows, I've ended up uh, in a dress and makeup and like my hair guide dyed green and then eventually afterwards i did a video of me going to the grocery store and getting groceries like that as part of it uh it just it generally balloons out of control as the time goes on because people want me to do more and more things for money and i will do almost anything to get money for docs without borders thus things like carolina reapers and dresses and uh just green hair shaved eyebrows all kinds of things so it'll be fun it'll be totally wacky and just crazy magic fun for three days, four days, five days. That is outstanding. All right. I would we're uh, going to talk a bit about Elonket Limited now, right? Yes, Maybe? that is the plan. So um, Travis has been quiet over there. I can see him jumping in his chair. He's ready to talk about his Elonket seal. I can't wait to talk about some draft. But usually, what we do is uh, early in the in the format we like to kick it off with a couple of pick one pack ones from draft because we think that's the most interesting early in the format we can get some conversation going and we'll just kind of talk about archetypes and stuff like that um, based on these pick one pack ones so the concept here is i will give you two choices or maybe three choices and it is pick one pack one so you're just we're just really evaluating the card in a vacuum what card do we think is most powerful um what card do we think we're most likely to play in a draft deck um and basically what colors do we like uh if the cards are of equal quality so we're going to start it off. I'm just going to bring up my card list over here on my other monitor. So we are going to start with... Uh, this one's an interesting one. This one actually came up for me... Um, I don't remember when. Maybe it was my draft video that's not online yet. Maybe it was just an offline draft. I can't remember exactly. But pick one, pack one. We had Trial of Zeal, which is two and a red for an enchantment. This is the Lightning Strike enchantment. Comes down and deals three damage to target creature or player. 
Uh, and then whenever you play a cartouche, it comes back to your hand. So players will be familiar with that mechanic, hopefully. And the other one compared to it was Crocodile of the Crossing for three and a green for a 5-4 haste that comes into play and puts a minus one, minus one counter on target creature you control. So, uh, Travis, let's start with you. If you were looking at this pack and everything else in it was a basic land, which of these two cards do you think you would take? It's really tough. I'm going to come down on the side of the crocodile. Again, I have not played as much draft, I suspect, as the two of you have. I think I've done four drafts in this format and probably 15 sealed events. Uh, So very early. But in my experience, the crocodile is a unique effect and one that you don't get. Uh, The Trial of Zeal is certainly very good too, but not like crazy better than something like Electrify or other kind of sort of just generic removal-ish damage-based spells. So I feel like I can get that effect later. But that that Haste in Green, especially if I can have a Naga Bridalist and drop the counter there, like you can hit for a lot of damage. So I, I'm I'm going to go on the side of the Croc, but that that's a difficult pick. Okay, Cam. Yeah, I I'm ultimately going to come down on the side of the Croc, uh, just like. Travis is, but probably for a little bit of a different reason. Uh, I think Trial of Zeal is actually, if it's pick one, pack one specifically, Trial of Zeal is very powerful just because of the fact that you can pick up a bunch of cartouches. And if you can put those together, then the repeatableness of the trial is really, really like, it's, it's a ton of value and it's really powerful. It's a bit, bit of a unique effect, just like Crocodile is. But the problem that I have with the Trial of Zeal, it's probably the best trial. However, I don't like red. I, I'm. It's probably not so much that red isn't a bad color choice in this format, as much as that it's just not my style. But I've really liked a lot of the, the green-black counter decks, and the synergy that Crocodile has with that is crazy. That card is unbelievable. Like, 5-4 haste, as Travis was saying, is just... <laughs> It's an incredible amount of damage and out of nowhere in a green deck where you just don't normally expect that kind of thing. Like, haste is very unique as well. Uh, and so I, I would go down with the crocodile as well. I'm just worried that, like, the red trial is the best, but the red cartouche is the worst. And red green, a lot of people like. And I think that the deck is fairly powerful, but it's just not my style. This format's full of really, really sweet, cool things to do. And I red green aggro beats isn't really where i want to be i'd rather just be doing more synergistic fun things in the format whether it's like blue black cycling or um the white black zombies or something like that instead i I just don't like the red green deck that much that's that's fair um i think if i was guaranteed to get two um cast trial of zeal twice a lot of the time so like having a mm-hmm. one cartouche or let's say two cartouches in my deck that i was happy to play i would come down more on the tri- on the side of trial of zeal if if i end up picking it and i never get a cartouche that i'm interested in playing i'm pretty sad about it so i think that's why i would lean toward the the croc but early in the format i don't i don't blame people for taking the removal early so i think it's a very close pick um i want to say that i picked the trial and probably didn't get there with on the cartouche side of things um because people are snapping up the good ones really quickly um you almost want to pick up your cartouches first and then like back into a trial of zeal in pack three or something like that if you're already red so okay I, I replace that with cut to ribbons and i'll take cut it's the three damage for me man it's just it's mm. not quite enough and again that's mostly from sealed but i've just seen a, a four toughness butt is what i need to kill and then there's a few fives and like i'm not able to deal with those but give me something that deals four damage i'm in it's it's the three damage that's that's a really a little much for me 
It's the Glorybringer test. If you can't kill a Glorybringer, either in sorcery or instant it? speed, it's it's not good, it seems like. Yeah, it's, that's absolutely fair. Okay. So speaking of things that yeah. kill Glorybringer... Sorry, oh, sorry, go well, ahead. I just wanted to... Uh, yeah, just to add to that, uh, that's the same problem that I have with Magma Spray right now. I, I agree with you. Like, it, it's not as good as it seems. The repeatability of it is good, but, like, the... Same with Magma Spray. Like, Magma Spray, it's two damage, and it's great instant speed, one, but it just doesn't kill what's important in this format. And that I've always, with the Magma Sprays, I was taking them early and often at first, and then I kind of was like, well, man, like, everything with four toughness is really causing, causing me the problems. I just don't care about Magma Spray. So, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the four is really a lot better, and things like Electrify are honestly kind of close to the trial, so I totally agree with that point from Travis there. All right. So speaking about things that kill Glorybringers, our next pick one pack one is uh, we're pitting two removals against each other. So uh, we're going to go Deemworthy versus Final Reward. So Deemworthy is four and a red for an instant. It deals seven damage to target creature, which uh, pretty much kills anything in the format that can be targeted and that doesn't have indestructible. Um, And then we've got on it, it has cycling for three and a red. And when you cycle it, it deals two damage versus Final Reward, which is straight up kill anything in the format that doesn't have hexproof, uh, which is four and a black for exile target creature at instant speed. So, Cam, let's start with you. If this is your pick one, pack one, note that Deemworthy is an uncommon and final reward is a common. Uh, what do you pick? Windmill slam, final reward. Not close, uh, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, Deemworthy can be really good, and cycling is a powerful effect, and there are some things that use cycling. Most of those things aren't red, though. The red deck generally doesn't need a whole lot of cycling cards. I mean, they're, they're still good. Cycling's always good. But it doesn't have the extra oomph of being synergistic with a lot of the actual cycling decks. There's a blue-red spell deck that might come around, but it's a really hard deck to get into. Whereas black is very strong in this format, I think. It's, there's a lot of good things that you can do in black. And final reward, just being able to kill anything is way better and the exile is very relevant there's a lot of embalm in the format and even if you come across something like a god um heaven forbid but it does happen if you come across something indestructible like that you can still kill it and final reward just becomes a tier above it easily for that mr sowers i'm i'm gonna have to disagree here although everything cam said is true um i i look at um, the, the cycling version is basically a split card. It's either four mana, two damage, draw a card or five mana, kill anything. And it's mostly kill anything. It doesn't exile it. And while you're right, that's true. I found that usually, um, if, if I'm killing something with embalm, most of those I can snipe for the four mana aspect, um, and, and get my magma spray and draw a card. So I'm not really down a card by killing their Avon initiate or whatever. So I'm kind of getting my value there. And then, like, at five mana, the, the, the cards are very similar. You're right, I can't kill a god, and I can't stop something from, like, Grave Didiger shenanigans, but I'm willing to pay that price for the flexibility. And I also don't really have any issue with, with red or black as far as colors go. I'll play whatever's open. But I think that that split card facet is going to push it over the edge for me. But I, I don't think you can go wrong pack one, pick one in either of these. I think you're relatively happy about it. But I would lean more in the camp of, of the red option. Yes. Um, I think it's a very tough pick. Um, I think both of you make very, very good arguments. Um, I would likely lean toward Deemworthy, um, again, just for that split card value. But also, um, 
I think I've used it more for the cycling and deal two damage than I have for actually doing seven damage to something. Um, and I, I've just seen that, that kind of flexibility. That being said, I have first picked many a final reward and, um, you know, I, I think it's close. Like we're not talking like 10 to 20% win percentage difference. We're talking like 0.1 to 0.5, maybe like it's, it's that close. So and I don't the, think you can go wrong with either of these. Could even be on the side of the deem worthy. I'm just it saying I'm be. willing to give that up for the flexibility. Oh, yeah, you mean on the final reward. Yeah, but having yeah. that flexibility. And, like, the number of times I've cycled this on four mana because I need to hit my fifth land drop to play, like, a Manticore next turn um, just kind of gives that flexibility. Where it does suck is when you're up against those two threes and those two fours. But a lot of decks have things you can snipe with this card. And even then, you just wait till five mana and play it for seven. But I don't know. It's super close. You know, we can call that a draw if we want. Um, I'm totally fine with that. But oh, I'm, cool I'm not going to blame anybody. I'm cool with being wrong on Deem Worthy. I... I, I <laughs> I, I don't like the like the cycling is great. I just the the problem is that I often find that the two mana doesn't the two damage doesn't do as much as I'd want. And I, it's yeah. not that it doesn't make the card bad. Like me saying that I would windmill slam a final reward is not me saying that I think that it's not a close pick or that final uh, the deem worthy is bad by any means. Yeah. No, deem worthy is a fantastic card. It's a, a bit of personal preference and just a bit of I've been burned too many times where I'm just kind of stuck. Like well. I guess I just cycle it because and not really get anything out of it because I, there's too many things that are two threes and two fours on this board and I can't really do anything. Um, and I've, I've been burned a couple times like that, so I, I prefer the final reward, but the totally reasonable to take the deem worthy. I would not blame anybody for it. My own personal inclination is to slam the final reward. That's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. All right, that's a good one. I've, I got, I'm on fire today. I've got two good ones. You're doing good, Dave. I'm proud of you. Although, All right. I will mention, I'm pretty sure it's Personacore, not Manticore. Oh, Give sorry, times, sorry. Man. Sorry, Personacore. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> next up. This, this, this one is a good one. This one is a good one. It's, it's more removal. You'll note that these are all removal. Uh, and the reason is, is because I think removal is at a premium in this format. So everybody keeps saying that it's so thin and it's so thin. There's a lot of good removal, but... It doesn't come around very often, it seems. So we're going to keep on this on this track of removal. Cartouche of Strength. So Cartouche of Strength is uh, two and a green for an enchantment aura. Put it on a creature you control. It gets plus one, plus one, and trample, and then fights. It may fight. is an optional fight. That is very key. Uh, versus Decimator Beetle. Three black and a green for a four or five insect at Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature you control. Whenever it attacks, you may remove a minus one, minus one counter from a creature you control if there is one to remove. And then also when it attacks at the same time, it's not dependent on that minus one, minus one being there. You put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature your opponent controls. Travis, do you have an opinion on this one one way or the other? Uh, when you said cartouche of fight, I was like, what is he going to have that's going to make this any decision at all? Because I love that card and it's awesome. And I have first picked it and will again. And then you said decimator beetle. And I'm like, you got it, man. That That is one of those few cards that you put on the table and the game now revolves around that. Can they kill it? Do you have a combat trick in your green deck? You should, which means you can attack with it and it's going to do awful stuff to your opponent. So I'm I'm pretty easily taking that. The fact that it's a gold card doesn't really apply when you can get an Evolving Wilds if you want one, and green is relatively good with fixing anyway. Uh, so it, it, like, I don't, I'm not committing to green-black to do that, although it's certainly great there. I, I can play this in green anything and splash for it and will splash for it. And you know how I feel about splashing. Normally, I don't want to, but 
so far in, in sealed, I've seen this card be amazing. And I can only imagine that it's that good in draft too. Cam? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, when you said Cartouche's Strength, I'm like, well, there's very little that can contest the Cartouche's Strength because the card's just insane. And uh, like the upside of the Cartouche's is huge. I mean, not only... Cartouche's Strength is just a great card on its own, is the thing. Like, it's as good... When we were talking about Trial of Zeal being one of the best trials, because it's a removal spell that's possibly repeatable, Cartouche's Strength is as good as Trial of Zeal. And it has the upside of then of you can just like you said backdoor into trials where like you want to get the cartouches first and then just maybe backdoor into them and that's a sick way to do it and so the card's just great on many levels it's a fantastic card i was like that is not going to be a lot that oh decimator beetle okay <laughs> i mean yeah probably take that because De- decimator beetle is uh i have played a lot more drafts not as many seals i've played a bit of both but it is it's an unreal card it, every time i have to sit there and read it again and go so wait, I don't have to have a minus one, minus one, minus counter on my creature to put it on theirs. It's like, no, no, you just get to put minus one, minus one counters on the creature every turn. And it's so big, this format, we talked about how it revolves a little bit around four toughness, but a lot of them don't have four power, and Decimator Beetle does. And it has five toughness, so then it it pairs off really well against any of the other really good cards in the format, whether it's like Pitiless Viziers or... Um, the True Heart Twins, like the 4-4s four and things like that, it pairs off great against any of those. It's really hard to block and deal with. And like Travis said, your green deck is going to have some kind of way of messing around with combat anyways. There's so many combat tricks. It's a very combat trick-centered format. That thing just protects itself and takes over a game so quickly. It's incredible. It's a great, great card. And splashing, I'm just like Travis. i really tend not to, but I don't mind it at all if it's something for like Decimator Beetle, let things on another level. Outstanding. So what percentage of the time do you estimate, are you putting the minus one, minus one counter on itself or something else on the table? If I possibly can, I'm going to put it on something else. And there's so many things in green that don't mind picking up a counter. Naga Bridalist being the the obvious one. But just because the... Um, it, there's a lot of stuff that can deal with four toughness and not much that can deal with five. Like for all mm-hmm. I know, and people are splashing so much that they could easily go mountain electrify. And I'm like, Oh, you killed my beetle. So generally speaking, if I've got anything else to put that counter on, I want it there. If it's a doomed dissenter, even better. Let's have a zombie friend, but I, I can find something to put that counter on. That's not the beetle. Yeah. It's, right. it's gotta be about 95% for me too. Like I 95% put it on something else. There's, very rarely in green black where you don't have and honestly it would fo- uh, shift your focus to a green black deck too to have something like decimator beetle because there's a lot of synergies there and the card is just very powerful you'd like to not splash it if you can and the green black deck's very good so why not go into it if it does happen to be open um it'll inform a lot of your other picks but you- you'll have something to put it on whether it's the doom dissenter the nog vitalist if you're stuck and you have to splash uh, something like awasha cultivator well not a great card definitely picks up counters and then you can sacrifice it to get lands and, and help you with your splash there's just a-, a plethora of creatures that you can do that with and there's uh, you know gr- defiant great maws that you can put counters on and-, and tons of things like that exemplar of strength is another really good card to put counters on and it- it's just easy to find something else to put it on and use it 
Outstanding. I love the green black deck. It's it's one of my favorite uh, archetypes for sure. I would say the minus one minus ones. If it's just green back green black stuff, I'm off it. But if it's green black synergy, I'm all in hundred percent. So, all right, I've got two more, and then we're gonna jump to probably some sealed, and then we'll talk about some archetypes after that. Um, this is kind of a, a wild card one. So I'm going to the wild card option is your pick of any common removal spell. So that's Cartouche, that's Electrify, that's Final Reward, any removal spell at common versus Edifice of Authority. So Edifice of Authority is the pacification array of the format. It is three mana for an artifact. Uh, One and tap is one of its abilities to uh, prevent target creature from attacking this turn. And once you've done that three times, you've built up your, your monument, you put three brick counters on it. The ability becomes one tap and target creature cannot attack or block or activate its abilities until your next turn. So it basically, they, they take the entire two turns off between now and your next turn versus just not being able to attack. So uh, your choice of common removal spell against the edifice. And we're going to do Cam, take us away. What do you think? Uh, Probably Cartouche's Strength. I'd, I'd just take that. It, the card's just incredible. Green has been really good in this format, and it's easy to splash as a color comp. Uh, like, green can splash pretty much anything else. So it's fairly easy to pick up a cartouche, and if you have to, if some other combination of deck is open, you can always have some way to splash an extra car- card or an extra color. And So it's fine. You can generally manage to find a way to fit cartouche's strength into your deck, and I, I don't know. That card's just been unbelievable for me. I generally don't like fight cards as much as I like, say, like a final reward or a deem worthy or something like that. But Cartouche really has just super outperformed for what it even looks like it should do. Travis? I'm going to have to take the edifice, although I agree with everything Cam said. Like, it, it's draft. It's a colorless card. If if I pick the edifice, it goes in 100% of the decks I play. If I take... And I would probably be more interested in, in the Cartouche... Like if I've got to pick one, the card's absurd. I, I was already happy with Hunt the Week, and this is that for one less. And you don't have to fight if they've got a combat trick. It's like cool. I just traded it for a combat trick. My dude still has Trample. Like it's a great card, but like I'm a hundred percent to play that edifice in whatever deck I play. It's obviously better in ones that are looking to go a little bit longer, so that you can capitalize on the can't attack part. Like I, it's not great in some sort of red white aggressive deck, but I'll still play it there. So, like for me, that guaranteed this is going in your deck is probably better for me than than a premium removal spell for another color. But if there's going to be anything that competes, I agree with Cam. It's probably the the cartouche of strength. I just tend to value that colorless colorlessness a lot. Yeah, and and the ability you just like like you said, it goes in any deck. Like your your opponent's going to have creatures at some point that you're going to want to make not attack. And once you've done it three times, and they can't block either, so you're effectively eliminating their best non hexproof creature um from the game as long as you leave one mana up and, and one mana is not not terribly expensive in this format although it did wreck me on stream the other day i was just always a turn behind and, and having that edifice did get me with my red white aggressive deck but that's not the fault of the edifice that's just the fault of circumstance so mm-hmm. um interesting I, I love that i've picked these controversial ones like we're so close and you guys get to butt heads a little bit over it i love it all right last I'm not, one i'm not butting head mu- heads much because man edifice is the the only card that i would take over edifice is definitely cartouche <laughs> i mean everything else well, it's, it's just better than edifice is great pacification array was really good for two mana tapping and yeah. edifice is one so yeah, but uh, and yeah, no, I, it's it's close. 
Uh, it is. What's the next? We do like we hyperbole on this podcast. We love hyperbole on this podcast. So uh, well, not even close is, is something. Probably the best card in the format. So I mean, there you go. Me. You should you should put that in your vocabulary. <laughs> You'll fit in fight. just fine here, man. Fight me, huh? Uh, uh, strength. I uh, love uh, it. Uh. <laughs> All right. Last one. Uh, not not a removal one, um, but in a color that. Um, uh, not necessarily in this format, but generally speaking, I think fewer people enjoy the color blue than enjoy, let's say, the color green. Uh, green appeals to, I think, a wider player base. I might be wrong. I think this is just my assumption and my personal kind of experience playing with a variety of different people. But we're going to look at blue. Everybody loves card draw and everybody loves 3-2 flyers for, for four. So we're going to compare Trial of Knowledge, which is three and a blue for the enchantment. Trial of Knowledge comes into play. You draw three and discard one, and then you can bounce it with a cartouche. Uh, my cartouche of choice with Trial of Knowledge is the cartouche of um, Knowledge, the the blue one. I guess they do have the same name, don't they? So it's almost like, I like drawing just a million cards. Yeah. Versus the Aven Initiate, which is your uh, what was the the one the the three two for four mana in another Snapping format? Drake. Snapping Drake. It's three two or sorry three and a blue for a three two flyer with embalm six and a blue so seven mana to get your three two back Travis I'll leave this last one up to you before we get into sealed I'm gonna take the trial of knowledge because I recognize it's a higher power level but I'm not gonna like it I do not necessarily like drawing cards in limited I like reducing my opponents to life total to zero um, as fast as possible and snapping Drake with flashback does that I like that card better. But again, you can kind of look at the rarity symbols here and, and get a little bit of ideas what's here. Like Sift was just a powerful card, and this is that with potential to buy it back. Um, you're not usually going to find many of the green cartouches floating around because they're high picks, but you can get a blue one if you want it. And you pair this with red or with green, you can start drawing cards. You can send guys in the air. So it, it's a more powerful card. But it, if it comes down to which one I like better, it's the Avon Initiate. If it's which one I'm going to pick, it's the Trial of Knowledge. For me, it's the same answer, but I love Trial of Knowledge because I love drawing cards. <laughs> you said you said that like most people don't like uh, blue, and I'm like, what are you talking? Blue's the best color combination. You get to draw extra cards. But I, I'm I'm very very much centered around. Uh, I love winning, but there are certain contr- there are certain types, and I'm I'm the archetype of player that likes to draw as many cards as possible and grind in- incremental value out of my opponent uh, a little bit more than I think that Travis is. And so I, I love Avon Initiate. The card's good, but Trial of Knowledge is just a very powerful card. And the blue cartouches, I feel, are actually underrated right now. So they're easy to pick up, and that card is good. Uh, it's the second best cartouche in my mind. Uh, trial of, The cartouche of Strength is obviously fantastic. We talked about that one a lot. But two mana give you a creature flying and draw a card. If they don't immediately have a bouncer removal to make you lose the cartouche i mean it replaces itself and your creature is permanently just evasive and bigger that's huge that's really big i mean back in theros we had um what was that card that stratus made stratus walk four? stratus walk and stratus walk was good and this is just stratus walk but better and it's like it, it can block creatures on the ground it draws you the card like it's fantastic so uh being able to pair those together can get you a lot of value and you can make a deck around that so i would easily take the trial I would also take the trial, um, but I also really like the blue-black uh, discard matters 
uh, deck. So I like the cards like the Arc Fiend. Obviously, everybody does. Um, I like the the horrors, the four four with um, with the plus two plus one on discard. Um, I like there. There's the there's just a few other cards like um trying to think not the two threes with like prowess what's the one that i'm thinking of there's another one that matters oh the four two indestructible i like that one too on discard so you can you can set those things up with with the trial um get some extra value there so that's really cool but i think it's also very close i picked a lot of close ones i'm never going to do that again they're all just going to be bad from now on so um, enjoy it (laughs) enjoy it okay uh so that's our pick one pack ones uh really good i really enjoy the draft so far but i also did get to play a sealed event the other day i did uh my quote fake day one gp friendly sealed in which i added no packs and just played against incrementally stronger decks as i progressed uh the number of mythics seemed to go up i think that was just a confirmation bias but i did enjoy it quite a bit and it's the first sealed that i'd played in a very long time outside of a pre-release so uh i've come to you Mr. Sowers, to bless me, bless Cam and I with your sealed knowledge in this format because uh, it does, it was a lot of fun. Um, I did have a bomby pool, like I had like a Glorybringer and an Arcfiend and some other good cards, but um, it does seem very fun uh, compared to maybe the Aether Revolt Kaladesh of, of days past. So like, like I said, I think I'm about 15 seals in. I'm going to GP Richmond, which is only about two hours away from me uh, this weekend. So I, I, it was very important to me to really have this sealed format down and shout out to wizards for making that possible with every other set that's released. I would have zero experience with the sealed format going to this GP because bear that in mind, we would be getting the release on magic online this coming Monday. Whereas like, I already feel like I understand this, the sealed format inside and out. So thank you wizards, but just some, some kind of heads up from what I've seen so far it seems to revolve even more so uh, than, than most formats around the, the bomby rare cards. So you need to either have them or have ways to deal with them. I've also seen a lot more decks that are very comfortable being two and a half colors, two with a splash, and even four colors. And most of that is because of the presence of evolving wilds in, in the format at common. There's also a lot of really good fixing in green. So I, I would still encourage people as they're building their sealed decks to remove all the trash and the things that you can't play, find how many cards you have that kill things that matter. When I'm doing the stream, I'll refer to those as terminates. But as Cam mentioned, I think superbly, magma spray is not a terminate. It's kind of like a two drop that can't attack or block. I'll put it in my red deck, but that's not removal, right? Final reward is removal. Uh, compulsory rest is removal. These are the things that you need to have or splash for. So like that's that's a very early t- take, and that and it, it also seems a lot more slow and grindy. I've really only seen one very aggressive sealed deck, so I think you're generally going to be better off in in this sealed format as in most of them, not looking for those synergies. Like you might open up the white black zombies deck. I did once, um, but for the most part, you're just going to be wanting to play good cards, strong cards. Get your bombs in if you can. Get your removal in if you can. And it it, it took me a while to be like. Okay, I can splash here. It's okay. I'm not going to be dead by turn five. There's no Renegade Freighter. There's no Dino Train. Like, I'm going to get to play 10 turns of magic, right? And it's very common to go to turn 10, 11, 15. Have something in your deck that can break a board stall too, and you'll be happy for it. So that's very early, early thing. But those are my impressions so far. Are we just in in consensus that, like, the four toughness is kind of the the determining point for whether your removal is good or not like like is that just 
what we're accepting right now at this point? That's where I'm at. Um, like electrify is a terminate in my book and the trial is not. Now I'm still interested in the trial and I'll still play the trial, but I'm not like, Oh my God, we got a, a red trial. We got to play red. Whereas if I see three electrifies, I'm like, Hey, red's looking pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Three, three damage seems to be on that edge where it kills most things, but especially in something like Sealed where you would see the, the bombs becoming a bigger problem and the synergy is definitely going by the wayside, then it would be more and more important that you have something that kills four toughness because all of your really big problem cards are going to have four toughness. There are a lot of threes, but the, the ones that you really absolutely have to get rid of have four and you're not going to be able to do that with like a trial. I also want to jump out here because this has come up on stream just because you can cycle something for one or two mana does not mean that you should mm -hmm. look, mm -hmm. look at your hand and think like cycling is a very skill testing mechanic. And what it's doing is giving you the opportunity to be mana screwed less often while still playing five, six and seven drops. So if I have a five drop in my hand and three lands, and something to do on turn two and three, I'm not very likely to cycle that unless my opponent is just curving out over there and doing something terrible to me, right? So, and I've seen a lot of people like with their opening hands just start cycling cards as fast as they can. One of the reasons some of them are doing it is because they're playing 15 and 16 lands. And I, I don't think you should be doing that in a cycling <laughs> format. Um, but even if you're not, remember these are actual cards that you're giving up. And when you trade in each card to cycle, you're still about half to hit a land. So like just just a pro tip, don't cycle just because you can. Don't exert just because you can. Think about whether you want to use each of these mechanics and what that actually means for you and then make your decision and you'll you'll do a lot better with them. I wanted to ask you about um, the not the Gravedigger, but the the sorcery speed get two. um two creatures back from the yard and sealed. I played that in my sealed deck um, and I thought it did a lot of work, but I don't know what your take on it is in this format, if you've had a chance to play it or not. So it's two and a black, uh, what's it called? Final journey, journey to the Wander desert. Wander and death. There you Wander go. Wander and death. Yeah. Um, and it has cycle two uh, for colorless, two colorless. Like what's your take on that in sealed? Is this a format where you would play that frequently, infrequently, not at all? What do you think? I have already splashed for it. Because there's really? no cost. Yeah. Like if I've got two black sources in the deck randomly, yeah, it's going in. Because worst case scenario, I can't cast it. I'll just cycle it. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. But the, the card is very, very good. It, and it, many of these games come down to grinding out. You know, you, they kill your bomb. You kill their bomb. Now we're staring at each other. Well, I got mine back and a friend. Card's great. Fantastic. Always playing that if I'm in black. And like I said, if I'm splashing black, it's probably in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised with that card. Uh, I looked over LSV's review of it, and he was saying it's like just worse than Unburden, uh, which was the double black and a colorless to make an opponent discard two cards. Also has cycling for two, so two three mana black cyclers. And he was just, oh well, you know, this is just worse than Unburden. I probably won't play it if I can get Unburdens. And I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> Wander in death. Um, I in sealed especially. I think because uh, you're gonna if you get grindy matches, it's really important in a grindy match. In an aggressive match, yeah, unburden might even be better. Um, but if the game goes long, and a lot of these games have gone long, wander in death is unreal. Uh, the flex we talked about flexibility on something like deem worthy. The flexibility on wander in death is two tier. 
because you can use it as cycle. Just, okay, well, I don't have two things to get back from the yard. I'm just going to get a new card. Or you can use it to get two cards back. But that's where more flexibility comes in because you also have a lot of the time river serpents, wasteland scorpions, things like that you've already cycled into your graveyard that now also have cycling. So you can go, oh, well, I need to have... I don't need to dig one card with this cycling. I'm going to get back two river serpents and cycle both of those. And I need to find, because I'm really looking for an answer or you can go, Oh, well I need one river serpent, but I also need to, you know, cycle the other one. And you can just do all kinds of split ways like that. It's almost like you can do, Oh, I draw one card and get one creature back, or I can do all these different things like that. that You can switch it up. I can just, Oh, I'm going to, draw two cards, but I'm going to cycle both of those and I'm going to get triggers on my Ruthless Sniper or on my, you know, Faith of the Devoted or my Arc Fiend if you're really lucky. And it just gives you incredible flexibility and power. And I I love that card. One thing that I wanted to mention with it too that I love in the really grindy matches, cards generally not very good, but Scribe, um, the blue Scribe, it's the two mana two, it's the three mana two two that for one sacrifice, tap, sacrifice it, get a sorcery or instant from your graveyard back to your hand, you can just grind out infinite value. You do it every turn, basically, and just keep on getting back your scribe, play and wander, draw the, like, use your scribe to get back the wander, then use the wander to get back the scribe, and just keep doing that over and over and over. And in a long matchup, if it's, like, two cycling decks against each other, that's huge. That's, that's outstanding. I... I can't say I've had the luxury of having the opportunity to do that, but I'm going to look for that now going forward. The, that that card does impress me, though, um, just in general because of getting the removal back. Um, Travis, have you had a chance to play that in Sealed? I, I think you were kind of down on it when we talked about it first, but I don't know if you've come around on it since then or if you've had an opportunity to. Usually when I'm playing blue, it's for the bombs, not because blue's really missing removal. So it's things like Lay Claim that are getting me interested um, I did play against a deck that was using the scribe and exactly the way he's telling, uh, which also involved a grave digger. So it was like, it kind of didn't matter that they had at least two wandering deaths that I saw at least two scribes and at least one grave digger. And I saw most of their deck cause it went on for a while. I, I, I managed to beat it, but like it opened my eyes to that. That card has some potential, but it kind of needs to be in situations like that. Um, I don't really want to buy back a removal spell and, and have it be vulnerable to like, eh. I, I, so I, I don't like the card, but if the right synergies are there, usually in blue black, I'm starting to get interested. Yeah, scri- I think. Sorry, scri- scribe is one of those cards that I, I don't. I would sideboard it most of the time. But if you end up mm. that you have a grindy match and you know that you already have the wandering deaths, then you're like, get in, okay, jam, jam it in. Like if this game's going to go 15 turns, I want to be able to just get creatures every single <laughs> turn of the game. Get wrecked. it was disgusting. <laughs> it was disgusting. Yeah. I I think if I was playing like. Like a red deck with like three electrifies and a and a deem worthy and like even like a like a another removal on top of that in or another instant that was like a bounce spell or something like that. I think this goes real, way up in value that card because you can just you know jam it turn three and maybe it dies sure and just eats a removal or whatever. But you can also just you know play or electrify on four or on five and then cycle or like get to get it back basically. So it's like your your fifth copy of your electrify or your or your fifth removal spell um, mm-hmm. in your red blue deck. Black is a little tougher because the black removal is either final reward or like splendid agony, right? Like there's not much else there, um, but I think it goes really well in, in the blue red deck for sure. But anyway, you can also just like friggin splash your red removal in another color and not play blue at all. So unless you have multiple lay claims. 
Lake Claim is another card that makes me interested in it, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, Lake Claim is good. Are there any... Um... Are there any mini combos that, that are easy to pick up and sealed like thing like archetypes that we can we can easily accomplish in the average sealed pool that, that work really well in sealed or is it still just the general sealed, you know, just play whatever cards you get. Don't worry about any synergies or anything like that. Or is there anything that you've seen that that kind of says like, hey, you should maybe be aware of these things potentially. You need there. there's things that make me count. And start doing numbers like that, right? So like Drakehaven typically is not very good in sealed because you only have one copy and you probably don't have enough cyclers. But like there was a pool I looked at today that had a Drakehaven. It had the black version, which I understand is not as good. And it also had one of the the snipers. And I was like, okay, we need to count our blue bike cycling cards. They didn't quite get there, but it was worth looking. Um, if you have a card like, I, I forget what the mummy um, exile a card the is. No, the one that exiles if it's blocked by a mummy or blocked a mummy. Like, once I have one of those, I'm like, wait a minute, how many mummies are we playing? How many things with Embalm do I have? And, like, if I can come out around five or six, I'm probably willing to run the card and just be like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll take a risk on this. So Zombie Lord is another one. Like, mm. I, But it, at the end of the day, no matter how many cute synergies and shenanigans I've got going on, it all comes down to me to how many Terminates can I fit in this deck? And how many cards can I slam on the table that as soon as as soon as this resolves, the game now revolves around it. So I would say it's much less synergy based, but it's always worth checking those and counting them. The first sealed I ever did was the nuts black, white zombies deck. Like we had a couple final rewards. We had three of the gold cards for it. We had a zombie lord like the removal was in black and in white. Like it was just perfect. So like you will open that on occasion. So don't close your eyes to it. But like, I'll start by taking, you know, in Oprah's name out, uh, the white cartouche out, the trial of white out, and then go back and look and see if I actually have a deck that wants those. Yeah, I, I think that the, I I haven't had as much experience with the sealed either, but probably the best combo that I know of in sealed is just scaled behemoth and any cartouche that it'll accept. <laughs> Because that card, <laughs> there you go. That's 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 probably one of the better combos that you can have. There is one other combo with Skilled Behemoth that's pretty good, uh, which is six lands. Yes, yeah. yeah. That card is <laughs> unbelievable. Cartouche it- of Cartouche of Knowledge on it is just despicable. Just dumb. It's There's really so not dumb. a cartouche you can put on it that's bad. I've no, put, no. I've put nearly. I have not put the red one on it yet, but I've put all the other ones on it, and it's stupid. It's just stupid. The, the, the lifelink dumb one on its own. Yeah, it's yeah. the lifelink one is incredible. So, is it just like the ridge scale Tusker, or no, not even? Is it just like the 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 train, like the Dino train? What's what's that one called? The Untethered Express. Is that the Untethered Express of this format, or is it more like the ridge scale Tusker of this format because it's more mana? It's more mana. Um, there are a few death touchers that can get it. You can try to gang block it, but it, as Cam pointed out earlier, combat tricks are even playable and sealed these days because the removal's gotten so bad. So, like, it's a card you need to be aware of, and you need to have a plan for your opponent having one because, like, I, I'm going to see that in Richmond. If I'm playing ten rounds of sealed, I'm gonna see a few of those, and like, I need to have an idea of what to do if my opponent has one or two. Um, chump blocking it is not a realistic plan. It will eventually take you out. Yeah, that, I'd, that, I'd still rather play against a six drop that wins the game than a three drop or a four drop that wins the game and is colorless, though. So, like, they've at true. least got to commit to playing green 
and then do something to not be dead, you know, by turn seven or eight, whenever they can get to it. Turn four, turn five with ramp. It can happen. It can happen. I've, I've done that at least once and it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, it's it's good. It's not as good as I mean, like Dino Train goes in every deck because it's colorless and it's yep. cheaper. Uh, same with I mean, Renegade Freighter was even worse because it was common, colorless and cheaper. So that that card was really dumb. But uh, that doesn't diminish what Scale Behemoth does. I mean, the card ends games fast. It's big. It's mean. The format's a little slower, so yeah, it's more expensive, but it, it can be played around it. But yeah, no, it's not it's not as good as either of those for sure. But it's still something that you you have to have a plan for it. It's an uncommon. You're going to find it in seals. If you're playing in seals or even in drafts, like a lot of the time, you you need some way to deal with a card like that because it's it'll eat you. <laughs> it's a scaled behemoth eats people. It is mean and it is nasty, and I love it. Uh, if you like things like all the cartouches and stuff go on it incredibly well and it's just going to be a hard card to deal with it feels a lot more less than like ridge scale tusker or dino train to me i i've been calling it the truth 2.0 because it's it's like the algae gharial uh where it was it just slowly grows uh generally it doesn't end the game immediately because they'll have some chump blockers they'll have some a few hurdles here and there to get through but eventually slowly over the course of the game the six seven just eats everything in front of it and then eventually eats your opponent's face is the last thing and it, it's mean i love it i had a draft deck of, with two of those the other night and unfortunately i, I went one two and, and i felt real bad because of it but um it was it was just an all-star i think i went up against a a white black zombie deck with multiple of the the binding mummies like we're talking like three of them and it's just like these guys just they just don't get tapped down they just don't have any cares in the world they're just like yeah you just throw zombies at me all day you're never gonna tap me down and i'm just gonna roll your face over once i get some way to to get a combat trick or some kind of removal through so it's just it's it's bonkers i wish they had reach because then they could kill glory bringers but that's why i play <laughs> uh that's why i play the spidery grasp every once in a while with my uh with my behemoth so Okay, you're a monster. I was there. I was gonna say one thing that Travis said was he was saying that the greener the green combat tricks are so much better because the removal is so bad. I also wanted to point out that because the green combat tricks are also just getting better, some of them in this format are awesome. There's the uh, the three mana plus two plus two to two. Synchronized strike. There we go. Synchronized yeah. strike. I mean, I should know the name of it. Synchronized strike is unbelievable. That card's so good, and people are really underestimating it. Uh, Dauntless onslaught from Theros block uh, plus two plus two to two creatures without untapping them for the same cost was uh, a fantastic card, and this is better than that. So yeah, that's a sleeper a little bit. The card's powerful. I, I feel. I feel real bad because uh, we were playing two at a giant. This is a this is a pre-release story. We were playing two at a giant, my daughter and I, and uh, uh, we we I was playing green, she was playing red white, and we had, we swung in with a bunch of X twos, and our opponent got really anxious and like ambitious, and he's like, "I'm gonna magrespear that one. I'm gonna magrespear that one," and I'm like, "You probably should let the first one resolve because I'm gonna untap both of them and give them both plus two plus two. And he was like, "Oh." And I'm like, <laughs> but it's ever since then, it's just like the power level of that card. Uh, I do, I do agree. I think it's underestimated. Uh, I think the three mana puts it in an awkward spot because it doesn't make it a mid game card. It makes it more of a, a late game card, which is great with it. Um, but I think people are passing it up for that reason. They probably shouldn't be. People seem to have this aversion to three mana combat tricks, I think. Uh, and, and it's like two is the gold standard for combat trick. Um, and hopefully this brings them around. One is the gold standard for combat tricks. 
Sure. Not these days, but it, it, maybe in this it, format. It, in this format, it is. I can get plus two, plus two for a green. I'm good to go. Th- that said, everything that Cam said is true. And if you've ever untapped two exert creatures uh, and then killed <laughs> your opponent with them because they thought they were safe. Oh, my God. I've done that. It feels good. Yeah, yeah. It, it, because of the exert is one of the big reasons why the untap is so important. In this format in particular, the untap is even better than normal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but yeah, I totally agree. One is the gold standard. And in fact, shed weakness is very, very relevant as the plus two plus two, like Travis was saying. I had just a very, very quick, funny aside to what you said about don't play too many things on the stack at once. I remember playing a while back against somebody playing Infect and turn two, they were attacking with their one one and they went and played their whole hand out because they were so excited. Like they just laid it out and they go, ha, what do you do to that? And I went lightning bolt (laughs) in response to everything in response to your entire hand. They looked at me and they went, Oh, I probably shouldn't have done that (laughs) because they were so excited that they thought that it'd be funny if they laid their whole hand out at once. And I'm like, so that means you played it all at once then, huh? All right, I'll do that. Cool for me. Zero cards in hand. Yeah, I'll go. (laughs) I think we've got a, a podcast topic request from uh, a listener that was uh, on the stream the other day uh, asking about when do you um, accept the fact that your creatures are going to trade or when do you accept the fact that you need to save your combat trick. So maybe we'll bring that up and we'll do a topic on that and we'll we'll use that story as an example because I think it's, you know, not getting over ambitious and over anxious on on your your tricks uh, or your, your pump spells, um, I think is very important. So we should write that down and make that a topic. Anything else unsealed or can we move into our last couple of minutes i have a rapid fire gut check that i want to run past cameron uh since we haven't done one yet for this so unless you have anything else to say on sealed no we're good let's let's get our guts checked all right so cameron uh if you are not familiar with the gut check what this is is i will ask you just a a very small number of rapid fire questions and the idea is is that you are supposed to immediately answer without giving it much thought. And then we're going to come back around and we're going to just quickly talk on them uh, after you've had a sober second thought on them. Um, we're only going to do a couple because we're just right at the end of the podcast here. And I want to let you guys go. I know it's late on the East Coast. But uh, this is something that I want to keep doing on the podcast. And I, I think you'll enjoy quite a bit. So when you are ready to go, you give me the signal. And oh, no, I'm nervous. <laughs> yes. There's no wrong answers except the ones that are wrong. Well, I'm going to give a lot of wrong answers because I know that uh, on stream I'm constantly changing my mind. I have to think about these things. But go ahead. Fire off. All right. Here we go. Question number one. The best color in draft in the set? Green. Question number two. The best archetype in this set? A blue-black. Question number three. The best mechanic in this set, new or returning? Cycling. Okay. Question number four: the bombiest bomb of all bombs in this format. Nissa. Oh, interesting. And question number five: finally, uh, how much do you like this format on a scale of one to ten? Nine. Nice. All right. I didn't write these questions, these answers down, so we're going to go to the start. So you said the best color in the format was green. Travis, agree or disagree? Uh, sure. It's it's too early to tell. I've been doing, I've been doing so many sealed builds. Like the best sealed color for me is the one that, that has the most terminates, but that has quite often been green because of that cartouche. So if on nothing else, we've talked about the green cartouche so much. Yeah. Yeah. Green. I'm in. Okay. I, I, I kind of picked green personally just because um, we talked about the power level of the uncommon scaled behemoth. We talked about the power level of the common, uh, the cartouche. And then 
it just has the ability to splash a lot of other colors. So if you happen to be green, you can generally be some other archetype as well. So it's fine if you if you end up green at the start, you can always kind of course correct and just by picking up like a gift or a cultivator or a Naga Vitalist or something and kind of, oh, whoop, I'm actually, you know, kind of more blue-black, but I just happen to have a strength, a cartouche or two or whatever and be a few colors. I think all the colors are very close. I think green is very deep. I think red has really good removal. Um, and I think black has a lot of, obviously, like the death touch and, and things that can gum up the ground. So it's it's almost like a paper, rock, scissors format. You know, it's like green gets green beats white and white beats whatever and black beats green and green beats red or something like that. You know, like like it feels like it's all very close. So I think that's very cool. Um, oh, I forget what the second question was. So the first question best was archetype the, the best blue, archetype. Best archetype. You said blue black or you said cy- or blue black cycling, right? Yeah. I And honestly, that's just because I, I love it the most. I, I don't know that there is a best archetype right now. I Thinking back at it, it might just be black green. Black Green's got a lot of big beaters and a lot of really cool synergies, but it's hard to say early on like this. It's really hard to say. I think if you can get a Lord, the White Black Zombie deck is amazing. Or get like a Liliana's Mastery. I think it's amazing. But I think you need a critical mass and that's harder to achieve in draft because I think it's an easy archetype for people to get into. So um, I like the I like the blue black. I don't like the the blue red. Um, and I haven't really had the chance to play the green, white exert. Um, but I do like red, black discard actually the four, three for two mana. Like he's not even in your archetype. He's just in your red deck and he's a beater, but he goes really well, obviously in that discard matters deck as well. Travis, what do you like? Green, red beats so far. Like I haven't done a lot of drafts, but that was the best deck I had, which is here's a bunch of big dudes in combat tricks and electrifies and good luck. I had a draft deck. It's on the draft video. That's not on mana deprived yet on the YouTube. I think it had four of the four four guys that exert and pump your team. The true four of them, yeah. At uncommon, it was stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Next up was the um, the bombiest bomb of all. No, no. Yeah, bombiest bomb. We'll do that. Bombiest bomb of all bombs in the format. You said Nissa. Yeah, it's mostly just because uh, I think one of the Planeswalkers is Liliana is really gross. Nissa is pretty gross. Uh, some of the gods are pretty disgusting. Archfiend of Ifnir is solid. Uh, Nissa, it is two colors, but man, that card's flexible. You can play it on a lot of different curves and it's always going to be relevant. It draws you a lot of extra cards and you can... Eventually, Nissa just Falcon punches people with 10 balls. <laughs> I mean, we saw it in the pre-pre-release where... Uh, Adam and Graham were playing, and Adam kept on going, ha-ha, Liliana, and then Graham would just be like, okay, Nissa, activate two creatures, and boom, hit, hit, hit Liliana for 10. All right, I win. It was just like, oh, all right, uh, that game's over, I guess. Oops. So it's pretty, pretty disgusting. Yeah, it, it, the, it's pretty it, rare that Yeah, that it ultimates so fast, and this format's so grindy, it, it kind of makes it really ridiculous. Hmm. Travis, what uh, what bomb do you hate losing to? Uh, Angel of Sanctions probably deserves to be in the conversation. Um, but I, I mean, honestly, the grown test for the format, I, I think for me, will eventually be Glorybringer just because it's not a mythic. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. and there's already like green combat tricks and white combat tricks that untap it. It's relatively easy to force through. And there's there's very few ways to react to it unless you already have an Edifice of Authority out or a, a Mummy Tapper like there's there's not a whole lot you can do to it other than get punched in the face and then try to recover. And mm-hmm. and so far I've liked the games where I had the glory bringer a lot better than when my opponent had them. 
Um, but it, I mean, that's in the conversation too. Plus all of what Cam said, those are all, all bombs. Uh, the yeah, bombiest bomb though, maybe may, may angel of sanctions or glory bringer. Maybe the uh, arch fiend. Yeah. I definitely throw uh, Glorybringer glory in there. I haven't seen any glory bringers really. I haven't played against them. I haven't really gotten them. So it, that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't come to the top of my head. But yeah, the minute that it's mentioned, I'm like, Oh, of course. Yeah. Glory bringers, obviously just nuts. But there's a lot of good cards. I mean, Arcfiend is another one that's fantastic. There's a, there's a lot of very good, powerful cards. All right. Uh, best mechanic, newer returning. You said cycling. Are we just in agreement that cycling is awesome? Heck yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, so it, smooths out, it smooths out your draws, and it's a skill-testing kind of mechanic. Like, exert and cycling make this set, as Travis said earlier, a lot of skill-testing, a lot of uh, skilled play in this format, which is really exciting and really fun. So... And then finally, you rated it a 9 out of 10. Uh, how do you feel about that after some reflection? I I mean, I'd love to keep playing with it. We'll see if I burn out on it. I generally do eventually because I play so much Magic on, on stream. But right now, this set, because of the fact that it's a fairly high skill cap, because of things like Cycling and Exert, and because of the fact that we were talking with the best color and best archetype, like right away, it, it's been out for a little while, and it, it, but it's still early to tell. However, there's a lot of formats where we'd say like, oh, well, you know, green's bad already. We know that. And in this format, I don't think we do. There's a lot of different archetypes. There's a lot of really interesting things that you can do with it and ways to go. Uh, there's the blue-red spells. There's the white-black zombies. There's green-black and, you know, uh, minus one, minus one counters. There's blue-black cycling. There's all these different things to do. And it's hard to say which one's best so much as like the one that's open. And the ability to have a bunch of different variety to the metagame while also having, like, all these skill testers makes this format really fun to me. Travis, you play a lot more than we do, I think. Yeah, I I was looking for the quote, and I can't find it, so I I don't think I'm going to get it right. Um, But I'm pretty sure it was Paul Reitzel that said, uh, the first two weeks of every new format is the best format ever. Week three, it's a tempo format. Week four, it's a bomb format, and week five, it's unplayable. Dude, we're in week two. It's best format ever. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, there's definitely the honeymoon phase. That's why I said, like, I we'll see because I might I might burn out on it. But I know at this point in Kaladesh, I was already burning out. I didn't like it as much. Yeah, uh, I liked yeah. I, I liked it more than a lot of the more recent sets. Uh, I play a lot of Magic online, and it. You need a fairly good form. You you burn out fast. You can burn out really fast on that. I mean, if you're playing 30 hours of Magic a week, then it's pretty easy to just be done with it very quickly. And this format has been interesting to me. It's got some things that I haven't tried still, and I'm hoping that if the actual archetypes are playable, all of the different ones, like the white-black zombies and doing things like that, if they're actually good enough to stand over, you know, that five week kind of period, I think the set could be really good. I've played 32 hours of magic in the last three days and I would start a draft right now. <laughs> Let's do it right now. Let's fire it up after this. I got two hours yeah, after this. That says a lot for the format for me. Yeah. Cause yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to playing this weekend. I'm going to see if I can get some paper in and if not, I'm just going to keep questing to my affiliate goal and uh, doing two drafts a night and uh, I enjoy it. So, I mean, I'm sure we'll hit that lull in the summer when the weather's like 35 degrees outside. That's Canadian. And, um, and uh, you know, I, and I'm playing Frisbee outside, but, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to explore the rest of this this draft format and I hope to draft all the archetypes multiple times because there's some cool looking, looking ways to play this game. So, um, you know, Got to hand it to them. Wizards knows how to make a limited format that's uh, 
that that lets you draft 30 or 40 times and still find it fresh and fun and i think this is one of those formats but you're right we will see in a couple of weeks but for now let's just enjoy our 9 out of 10 format and uh and call it there i guess so cam i want to thank you for coming on and tell us about the pickle challenge and giving us your gut check and uh your insight into limited travis as always you're you're the anchor on this podcast so it was another good episode solid yar and and uh so cam just to let the people know again where can they find you where can they find the info on the pickle challenge let's give them that info and we'll link it and tweet it out later in the week as well so but uh, where can they find you on twitch and twitter uh if they need that info Absolutely. You can find me on Twitch at, it's uh, Ilion TV, I-L-Y-O-N-T-V. You can find me, so twitch.tv slash Ilion TV. You can also find the Pickle Challenge, which is the important thing to find out right now. And that's going to be Ilion MTG, so I-L-Y-O-N, again, M-T-G, dot com slash pickle dot HTML. Go there and you'll find the Pickle website and... You'll be able to watch it from there. It'll actually have the Twitch stream loaded in there. All of the donation goals and stuff are in there. The schedule, the amounts of money that we've already raised, all of that is encapsulated. There's a lot of really cool things on the Tiltify website that make it fun to watch actually from there rather than even from Twitch. So you can check that out. And I'd love to have you guys come by. And hopefully there's lots of people that are listening to this that will donate some money because we've got a lot of money to raise for Doctors Without Borders. So. I will be there donating money when I'm on my guest spot, which is Friday the 12th, I believe, at 11 a.m. Pacific time. I don't remember exactly. It's somewhere early uh, or mid midday, basically, around lunchtime Pacific. So um, I look forward to seeing you all there. Travis, where can they find you? They should know by now, but where can they find you if they're first-time listeners? First-time listeners, you can find me at twitch.tv slash simulin, S-E-M-U-L-I-N, and I'm on Twitter at the same handle. And you can find me on twitch.tv slash dcivilian, Twitter at the same handle. And Travis and I both do YouTube videos uh, for Mana Deprived. You can check us out there. And thanks once again to our hosts, Mana Deprived and Face to Face Games. Really appreciate all the support they give us. Once again, everyone, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to give us feedback on Twitter or in Twitch chat. And we will catch you next time. <laughs>